Well, good morning, church. Good morning. It's good to see everybody here. And I know it is that time of the year where somebody says, you know, May seems to be so busy. I always equate it to December. I feel like May and December are very similar. Um, a lot of activities going on, parties, um, holiday things. There's just people are busy. And one of the biggest things in May is all the graduations and the open houses and the commencement services. And I don't know when the last time you went to a graduation ceremony. There's a few seniors in here, and I know for them it's going to be like commencement service. Here it comes. And and he, I don't know when the last one you've been at, but I've been at a few, and I've had the privilege of speaking at uh, commencement services and baccalaureate services. And uh, you sort of wonder, as the person who's ever up front talking, what's going on with all the graduates? What's taking place in their minds? You may remember, as for some of you, it's not too long ago. For others, you know, you have to think back a little bit. But, you know, the, the guys are sitting there in their robes thinking, I do not like wearing a robe. Girls wear dresses. I do not wear robes. I don't like this. And and all of them are sitting there thinking, I hope my cap doesn't fall off. And they, they sort of cramp up in their neck because they've tilted their head a certain way the whole time. And others are thinking about, I just can't wait till we get out of here because we've got a graduation party coming up. And, and others, are, you know, they're not even paying attention. They're sort of daydreaming. Some are thinking about the joy of moving on, what's next. So there's all kinds of thoughts that are going out as the message is being given. For many, it's just, man, give me my diploma. Take my picture. Freedom. Oh, yeah, and I better check to make sure it's diploma signed too, right? But if people are excited, right, for the next thing. And I think about that, you know, what words did they actually hear? Because the commencement speakers, you know, we're thinking, what can I say to inspire you? And we've heard a lot of messages over the years. I went back and I looked at some of the messages given by high school and college graduates uh, at their um, commencement service. I'm going to share a couple of them because... They're good. They sound like what would be said at a commencement. For instance, we are the people who are responsible for writing the next few chapters in future history books. Ooh, that, was, that was good, right? Whoever came up with that. How about this one? As I look into the crowd, though, I see the beauty of a variety of cultures, nationalities, all gathered to celebrate our accomplishments. Despite our differences, we're all here now. In the same place, wearing the same goofy robes. That was good to the end, but, you know, still humorous, right? Whoever shared that one. Another person said, it's not over, it's just getting started. Oh, how true, right? One more. Guys, we're graduating, and I'm not ready for this. I'm not sure how to be an adult. I don't even know how to pay my taxes. Well said. And don't worry, the government will help you figure out how to pay taxes. So. Great speeches. A lot of them, you know, can be very inspiring. Some of them misguiding. Some of them can be humorous. Uh, there are those ones that I think that are misguiding, the ones that get up and they say, and you can be anything you want to be. And it's like, that's exciting. But that's not true. I'm sorry, but Shaquille O'Neal will never be a horse jockey. Okay, it's just not going to work for him. Okay, and some of us think we can do, like, I can be a comedian. No, you can't. You might be tell one joke. My wife just shook her head. No, I wasn't even finished with my sentence. So, some of us, well, you know, there's things that we're like, oh, I want to be that. It's like, no, nah, I can never be that. But, of course, God does give us dreams, and we do want to pursue those, right? Throughout Scripture, what I love about the Bible is God has so many good things in here. But throughout Scripture, 
There were men and women that served God. And for some of them, they had farewell messages. They had like commencement speeches, if you wanted to say that. But the final words of some of these men and women in the Bible were very inspiring. Now, I want to share a few of them with you. First one comes from Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. He said this, Take to heart all the words of warning that I've given you today. Pass them on as a command to your children, so they'll obey every word of these instructions. These instructions, they're not empty words. They are your life. And by obeying them, you'll enjoy a long life in the land you'll occupy when you cross the Jordan River. That was good, Moses. He had a lot more to say. Joshua had a lot to say, but specifically pulled out of Joshua chapter 24. He says this, So fear the Lord, serve him wholeheartedly, put away forever the idols that your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates? Or will be the God of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Well said, Joshua, right? The Apostle Paul, he wrote a lot of books. And one of the final books he wrote was to Timothy. So in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said this, But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. It's good advice, right? Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news. Fully carry out the ministry that God's given you. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but all who are eagerly looking forward to his appearing. John said this in one of his final letters that he wrote. 3 John chapter 2. I'm writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. It's not a new commandment, but one we've had from the beginning. Love means doing what God's commanded us. He's commanded us to love one another just as you heard from the beginning. Wouldn't that be a great message, I think, from every commencement speaker this year? Ladies and gentlemen, we just need to love one another. Can we do that? Can we get better at loving one another? That would, that would do well, I think, this year. Finally, can't miss this one. I think one of the best of all times. When Jesus said this, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Such good and inspiring messages throughout Scripture. And and in a time and a month when we're going to hear messages from different commencement speakers and different people, it's good to know that there's even more powerful messages and words from God that we can all listen to and be encouraged and say and be inspired to obey, right? 
But Samuel had one too. We were, we've been, you know, this adventures in the Bible, going through the Old Testament stories. Next month, we're going to be hopping into a book of the New Testament. So today, I'm going to wrap this up because next week we're going to be honoring our graduates. Uh, but today, I want to wrap up Samuel's life. Samuel has so much more. We started with him in the temple last week. And he's just, you know, growing up. And I'm going to go right to his farewell message. And actually, after his farewell message, there's actually more to his life as you read through 1 Samuel. But in your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 12. And in his graduation speech, his final message, his farewell message, he has some powerful points that any speech writer would want to sit there and plagiarize, okay? This is good. I want to say this right. So we have basically Samuel saying here, I'm going to give you a quick history I want to remind all of you that you were once in chains in Egypt. You were slaves, just as we're slaves of sin. But you've been freed. You've been rescued by God, just as we've been rescued by God. And I love how he challenges the listening people because he says, he, he really calls them to wake up. Because we are very distracted people. They were too. You know, we have our phones that catch our attention. We have a busy day ahead of us and things that happened this past week that sort of, we sort of get lost in thought during a message. It's very easy to lose uh, track of what the pastor's saying or what somebody in the conversation you're having to talk to because as soon as they say something, your mind races to something else. And so in this passage here, I love how he starts off with verse 7. He says this, he goes, Now stand here quietly, because oftentimes in, in ancient readings in Scripture, as scripture was read, people would stand as the God's word was read. It's like, okay, because you're getting all comfortable. I want you to stand because we're going we're gonna to listen to God, what he has to say. So he actually tells people as he goes there, now stand here quietly before the Lord. And I'm going to remind you of all the great things the Lord has done for you and your ancestors. Why does he do this? Because history shows that they forgot about the power of God. And they chose to do their own things. We've, we've seen this ugly cycle take place throughout the past month as we look through the book of Judges, right? They, they have forgetfulness and they fail. And then uh, time and time again, God sends the prophets and the judges to, to save them and to rescue them and give them hope. So Samuel shows them, first of all, as he rewinds in history, he goes, I want to show you your foolishness for wanting a king. You have an omnipotent, powerful, holy, loving God. And you're choosing a man to lead you. Why? <laughs> You've got everything in God that you could ever ask for. And you're going to listen to man. And he says this, picking back up in verse 16, because first was, now stand quietly. Listen, then he says this, now stand here and see the great thing the Lord is about to do. You know that it doesn't rain at this time of the year during the wheat harvest. I'll ask the Lord to send thunder and rain today. Then you'll realize how wicked you have been in asking the Lord for a king. He's like, listen, people, you know it doesn't rain this time of the year, right? Never rains. It probably won't rain for another 30 days. But I want you to know that this omnipotent, powerful, loving God is real. I'm going to ask him to bring it right now. Just to show you. You should not have chosen a king. You should have chosen God. So we go on to read verse 18. So Samuel calls the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. Look what happens. And all the people were terrified of the Lord and of Samuel. 
And they said this, pray to the Lord your God for us, or we will die, they all said to Samuel. For now we have added to our sins by asking for a king. So they already knew that they'd blown it with God. Now they know they blew it by asking for a king. They realized they made a mistake. And for us, here's the thing. It's easy for us to read the scripture and to judge them, isn't it? It's like, what were they thinking? They got this holy, omnipotent, powerful, loving God, and they asked for a human king to rule them, right? That's how foolish is that? Listen to God. Why are you listening to a man? <laughs> Crazy people. And then I think about my life. Because I always want to know what my friends have to say. I always want to know what social media has to say. I always want to know what the news has to say. I got to turn on something at a certain time because I want to know what they have to say. I want to know what they have to say. Oh, wait. (laughs) I'm sort of like these people. I wanted to listen to man instead of listening to who? The voice of God. I guess I'm no different than them. So who am I to judge them, right? See, we need to take our advice and our direction in how to make choices from God. God says, I'm giving you my word, and then I gave you my son, and he talked to you, and now I'm giving you my spirit. You want to do good things. You make all these resolutions to do good things, and you want this resolution power. I've given you resurrection power. I've given you Jesus Christ, and he resurrected. I've given you his spirit, that same powerful spirit that has resurrected Jesus from the dead, now lives in you. You want resolution power? I've given you resurrection power. Listen to me. And yet we surround ourselves with other people because we want to know what they have to say. When we've got the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit within us saying, I want to tell you what the Word of God says. When we come to realize that what we want in our life, we're going to chase after it, what are we chasing after? Because we realize we may be no different than these people. I mean, the people realize (laughs) we're wrong which I will do that often. It's like, you know what? I was wrong. It'll take me a while. But I might eventually admit I was wrong, right? They admitted they're wrong. So they committed themselves to worshiping God alone. You know what? We, I can't believe we were chasing after a king. We need to worship God. So Samuel commended them, hey, good choice. You, you got it. Yeah, don't follow a king. Follow God. Listen to God. Worship God. Good for you. Look what he says in verse 20 then. He goes on to say this. Don't be afraid. He reassures them. Fear not. Well, what were they afraid of? Because here's the thing. When you realize that you've been making bad choices, when you realize you're going in the wrong direction, it's scary. And these people realize we've been going in the wrong direction. We, We could get hurt. We could hurt somebody else. So what does Sam say? Fear not. It's going to be okay. I don't know if you, have you ever, you ever been on a one-way road? All of us have been on a one-way road, right? Everybody's going in the same direction, right? I remember one time, it was dark. I'd never been in this place before. Unfamiliar territory. Not able to see as well. And, and, I, and I turned off uh, this highway onto this road. And I was like, okay. I think this is the road. I think this is where I need to be going. And then suddenly I realized, I'm sitting there going, that car's in my lane. He, he needs to get over. You know, I, the headlights were just coming straight at me. Another headlight. I'm going, what are these people doing? 
they were going in the right direction. I had entered an exit ramp onto a highway. I was going on the exit ramp where everybody was exiting my way. In that moment, a little bit of anxiety kicks in. A little bit of fear kicks in, right? And that's because I was going in the wrong way. I'm going to get hurt or somebody else could possibly get hurt. I needed to turn my life back around. And I have this 15-passenger van, and I'm sitting there thinking, this is not going to be an easy thing to do. But, you know, I, I got turned around. But in that moment, in that time of my life, I'm sitting there going, this It's not good. It's scary. You know, when we're unfamiliar with things, when things are dark, we need to stop. Double check our direction. If I wanted to in that moment, I could have said, you know what? I'm just going to keep going. And you can all get out of my way, right? Eventually something bad's going to happen. But in that moment, what do I need to do? Stop. You know what? I'm going in the wrong way. I need to turn around. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says this. There is a path that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. God basically says, you know, we all think we're going the right way sometimes, but we're not. We think we know it all, but we don't. We're sitting in the dark. What do we need? We need the light of God. What did we learn in the book of John? The light came into this world. That light is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Matter of fact, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. So we live in darkness until the light comes. And once the light comes, we have a choice to choose our connection with God. And it's only through Jesus Christ. So we have to examine ourselves. All of us. We have to examine our life, our words, uh, our lust, our pride, our kindness, our attitude towards others. I know there's times I can be critical of others because I look at them. It's like, well, they're different than me and it's easy to be critical of them and then you put them in your own little category and that's wrong. And when I examine my life and when you examine your life, we can realize, you know what? We might be going in the wrong direction on this one and we need to make sure we're going in the right direction. And so what does Samuel say? If we read on, it says, Samuel said, you've certainly done wrong. because. But make sure now, right now, that you worship the Lord with all your heart and don't turn your back on him. Samuel goes, I know what you've done with your past. I get it. Let's talk about right now. Let's talk about right now. Not the future. Not the past. Let's talk about right now. What do, what do, we, what do we need to do right now? As many of you know, I have the the, the privilege of speaking with athletes and coaches on a weekly basis. And a lot of the times when I'm talking to them, my team talks, uh, whether it's an individual or as a whole team with a coach, a lot of the things that I share with them, depending on the situation, especially at a school, if I can't like open up the Bible and share scripture with them, everything I say is going to be based on a biblical foundation. So whatever I'm saying comes from foundational work of what God says, and then it's going to be some kind of principle or characteristic that's related to this foundation. Everybody follow me on this? So I have that, that honor uh, to do that. And I, sometimes what I'll do is, after I got God's word, I'll, I'll read different authors, pastors that might have a story or something that would connect that I can share. Pastor Mark Batterson wrote a book called Win the Day. 
And the whole premise of the book basically takes seven daily habits that we can use to relieve the stress in our lives. Sounds like a great book. So I read it, and as I'm reading, I'm thinking, wow, this is... And again, there's so many leadership books that I've read, and what I've discovered is every leadership book basically has the same leadership principles, just packaged a different way. But what one of the things he said was something that I often share with, with everybody, and that is, that is this, is that our focus always needs to be on the now. You can't focus on the past, and you can't focus on the future. Because if you're focusing on the past, here's what happens. We all know our past, our sins, our mistakes, the, the bad neighborhood we grew up in, the bad relationships we've had in the past. And if you allow your past to define you in where you are now, you're going to have trouble moving forward because you're always going to be caught up in the past. And the future, I, some of us are so anxious, so worried about where life is going. What are we going to do after I graduate? What am I going to do for next job? What about this relationship? We're so caught up in the future with anxiety, we can't focus on the now. Pastor Mark Batterson was, was hitting on that, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's what I share with the guys and, and the girls all the time, and, and, and I understand that for sure. And so, but in his book, that whole win the day, he described it like this. Win is basically this, what's important now? So his message was, hey, you want to be successful in life? Let's just, what's important right now? Don't worry about tomorrow. What is it right now that you need to do? So for us sitting in this room, listening to this message, what's important right now? What, what am I listening to? What do I apply right now? What do I need to be doing? And Samuel is saying, hey, your past is filled with idol worship. Your past is filled with choosing a king over God. Your past is pretty messed up. The future, don't even worry about the future right now. Right now, what I want you to do is this. I want you to, to make sure that right now you just worship it. Oh, and, and in case you're unclear, worship the Lord. Oh, and then how? With all your heart. If you want me to clearly define that. I want you to be in the now. I don't want you to worry about the past. You've made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. God forgives. Praise God, right, that he forgives our sins, that he, he forgives our mistakes. Again, your past does not define you. It describes you. It describes where you've been. But right now, right now, where are you at? Samuel says, right now, I want you to worship. Worship the Lord with all your heart. Tonight, tonight is worship night. And for some of us, like, worship night, that means i got to stand in here for an hour and sing, and I don't like standing. I like to sing, but I like a break every now and then. And so it's like, I understand. But worship isn't just singing for an hour straight. You can come in here and sing a couple of songs. You can sit down and you can go ahead and close your eyes and pray. You can sit and listen and look around and just read the words. Just get caught up in that moment in the presence of God and worship. It's scary sometimes because you come in here and you think, I wonder what other people think of me when I worship. It's not about what other people think about you, okay? And none of us in here should be judging anybody on how they worship. It's you worshiping God. That's all that matters. And Samuel says, right now, worship the Lord with all you got, with all your with all your heart. Let's read on to verse 21. He goes back in the verse 21 says this. Don't go back. <laughs> That's the past. Don't go back to worship, worshiping worthless idols. They can't help you. They can't rescue you. They're totally useless. 
That's good advice because for many of us, especially graduates, we're always thinking, what's the pathway to success? Because success is what? Money and, and power and, and, and having the, the right relationship. It's, it's all these things, right? That's so meaningful and so powerful and it's so good. and False idols. That's the same thing. All those things that you're chasing, those are false idols. And that's what I'm talking about. Remember that you were chasing those. Now I want you to worship. Don't go back to that. The book of Ecclesiastes. Why is this man you know, that, that writes, writes the book of Ecclesiastes? And there's a couple of passages I'll point out. One, he goes, come on, let's try pleasure. I, I looked for all the good things in life, and guess what? It was meaningless. Oh, and I looked for everything I worked so hard to accomplish. It's all about accomplishments, right? Meaningless. Chapter 4, verse 4, he goes, I observed that most people are motivated to success. It's all about success. Meaningless. I want to impress my neighbors. Meaningless. Chapter 5, verse 10, those who love money will never have enough. Oh, it's all about money. Meaningless. It's like, come on. All these things I'm chasing after, God says, really, they're meaningless. Not worth chasing. What really matters? Samuel's like, you know what really matters? Wake up, get back on track, and worship. Worship God, who is not meaningless. And then he goes on to, to tell him in verse 22, oh, and by the way, you know, God loves you. Isn't that good to know that God loves you? A lot of us are like, I wish somebody loved me. Somebody does love you. The most powerful being in the universe, omnipotent, holy, omniscient, all-knowing, Loving God. He loves you. He loves you. Verse 22, the Lord will not abandon his people because He would, because that would dishonor his great name. For it's pleased the Lord to make you his very own. Church, listen very carefully. God will not abandon you. He will not abandon you. Just, just because you don't see him, just because you don't feel him, just because you feel rejected, those are feelings. Feelings do not dictate the reality of the situation. That is, God has not, will not, ever abandon you. Never. Paul went through all kinds of perilous moments, tough situations. And what did, what did Paul say? He said, we are hunted down, but never abandoned. We get knocked down, but not destroyed, because we're not abandoned. There are times, here's, listen very carefully, there are times when we're going to be lacking resources, whether it's financially, relationally, there's going to be moments when we feel like we're in need or want, and we start to wonder, I wonder if God cares. Because if God cares, he knows that what, I need, what I need, and I'm, and I'm lacking it right now. So God knows, and if God knows, he would take care of it. But because he's not taking care of it, he must not love me. He has abandoned me. Because we think because we have, you think because you have funds, you have resources, you have friendships, you, you think that's how it works, that God's with me, but if you don't have it, he's not with you? If that's the case, then guess what? We've made those things idols. Because we are worshiping actually those things, right? Because when we don't have them, God's not here. Hebrews 13.5 says this, Don't love money 
Be satisfied with what you have. For God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never abandon you. Just because you lost your money because you don't have any funds, you think I left you? No. I'll never abandon you. I'll never leave you. God is so pleased to make you his people. He's like that proud parent who's driving down the road with a truck because he, he wouldn't be driving a car. It would be a big truck. And it's probably got a big bumper sticker on it with your name on it. It says, proud parent of, and your name's right there, right? If he had social media, God would be taking pictures of you, posting them all over the place, saying, look at my child. Look what my son did. Look what my daughter did. And here's the thing. You wouldn't have to do anything. You wouldn't have to win a sport. You wouldn't have to get straight A's to be posted by your parent, Heavenly Father. Remember, he's a good, good father. He's like, my kid woke up today, messy hair and all. I love him. Right? That's God. He loves you. He will not abandon you. Sam is going to wrap his commencement speech, his farewell message up here. And he's going to do it in, in like five basic sentences. And Look at verse 23. I said five sentences, five points. He says this, verse 23, As for me, I will certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you. And I will continue to teach you what is good and right. But be sure to fear the Lord and faithfully serve him. Think of all the wonderful things he's done for you. But if you continue to sin, you and your king will be swept away. That was his message. Now, if I'm a commencement speaker, I'm going to turn that into 20 minutes. I'm going to take like maybe two or three, maybe, maybe five. Okay. But let's keep it simple. What's the first thing he says? First thing he says, we need to pray for each other. Did you see how he worded it? Look what he says. As for me... I'll certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you. I don't like them anymore. I'm not going to pray for them anymore. It sounds like Samuel says, when we stop praying for people, we're sinning. We're supposed to pray for each other. Not only for those that you love, but maybe those you struggle with. Do we pray for other churches? Do we pray for other Christians around this world? Do we pray for non-Christians? Do we pray for people who annoy you? Some of you are like, oh yeah, all the time. Lord, help me not to kill them. Okay, that's not the kind of prayer I'm talking about, okay? But do we really honestly pray for other people? It's like, I'm telling you, when I was studying this, this was an eye-opener for me. This was like, okay, Rex, what do you have to work on this week? Praying for everyone. That was, that was on there for me. We're told in Ephesians 6, 18, pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Pretty clear. Second thing Samuel says is to continue to teach others what is good and right. Listen, just because we disagree with other people doesn't mean we stop teaching truth. We may have differing opinions, but we never stop teaching truth. Paul said this, you've heard me teach these things before and have been confirmed by, my, by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to trustworthy people who will then be able to pass them on to others. Every Sunday I preach to trustworthy people. Why? So you can pass those on to others. Never stop teaching what is right. You don't have to get in front of people at a podium to teach. Your teaching others may come in a car drive sitting at a park, 
or at a ball game or at the dinner table. Your opportunities to teach others come around every single day. Third thing is fear the Lord and faithfully serve him. Do you have an awe, A-W-E, awe for God? Meaning, do you respect God? Does he sometimes scare you in a healthy way? Back in biblical times, if I was to take the name of the Lord in vain, if I just shout God's name out there or something, I would be put to death for using his name in the wrong way. Today, we hear his name thrown out flippantly so many times. And as if people don't care, God, and we have all these, these, these like things and sayings about God, like the old man in the sky and stuff like that. We just say that like, not even worrying. It's like, never, please never disrespect God like that. We need to have a healthy fear of God so that when he asks us to serve, we are serving him faithfully. That fearing God and serving faithfully go hand in hand. Are we faithfully serving him? Has he directed you to do something and are you doing it? Last week we said Samuel's like, here I am, your, your servant is listening. Speak to me, what do you want me to do? Are we? Are we doing that? The fourth thing here was he said, take time to remember that all that God has done for you. Thank him. I mean, next time you sit down for a meal, you, you know, want to bless the food. God blesses the food, right? Thank him for the food. Thank him for it. Thank him for a few other things too. Thank you that you actually got to sit down and have something or thank him for the, the sunshine. Just find whatever you can think of and thank him. And ah, thank you for letting me breathe right now, God. Thank him. And then was the last thing he said, stop sinning. <laughs> stop chasing the earthly kings. Knock it off, as my dad would say. Stop sinning. Simple, right? Worship team, would you come forward, please? It seems so simple to hear it. The commencement speaker gets done. Everybody's like, yeah, can I just get my diploma and get out of here now, right? Never underestimate all these things from God's word. I would encourage you, take one of these little things and just apply it in your life. It may seem small, but from small things comes something in incredibly powerful and big. And I want to, I want to close with this story to, to emphasize that. I don't know if you are familiar with Niagara Falls. Maybe you've been on vacation before. Maybe some of you that are in here that are married, that was your honeymoon spot. Um, it seems like to be the honeymoon capital of the world, but that's probably changed. It's probably Cancun now. I don't know. But Niagara at one time is beautiful, the falls and the bridges, and it's just Incredible, right? But how did that first bridge across the Niagara Gorge get built? I mean, you have to think about that. How did that all go down? 1847, a civil engineer, his name was Charles Ellett, was commissioned to basically come up with the plans to build this bridge across the gorge. Gorge, close to 800 feet across, 200-foot cliffs. How are we going to do this? So he comes up with a brilliant idea. We're going to have a kite Flying contest. Who can fly a kite and fly it over the gorge? So all these kids sign up to fly kites. I can't even imagine, you know, somebody tried to imagine what the scene would look like of all these kids flying kites. A little 15-year-old, actually a little, but 15-year-old Holman Wash, he, uh, he was one of the kids that had one of those kites. So he sort of checked out the weather conditions. He said, I'm going to take the ferry uh, from the American side over to the Canadian side and get the prevailing winds. And his kite took off. Unfortunately, the stream broke, and it took off and went all the way back over the gorge and landed somewhere over on land. So he had to wait eight days for the ferry, took the ferry back across, found his kite, 
repaired the kite, restrung it, went back over, flew his kite again. This time, it flew just beautifully. String did not break, and it landed on the American side while he was still holding the string on the Canadian side. He won the contest. He got $10. 1847, that's a lot of money, right? They, from that simple kite string, they tied a heavier string and started pulling it across, and they from that string, they tied on a heavier string and then a rope. And then 36, um, 36 strands of 10-gauge wire. And then they pulled it across. And then in July 26 of 1848, the suspension bridge was completed. And I was thinking about that. 762 feet long, over 200-foot cliff, this raging water, and, and it's just incredible to think today all the commerce the trucks that go across that bridge and it all started what a 15 year old and a kite isn't that amazing something so small has become something so big never underestimate what God is telling you at whatever age you are Never underestimate and think, well, it's just something small. I'm just going to start praying for people like I've never prayed before. Never underestimate the power of prayer. That little thing that you think is just a little thing for God, he can turn into something massive if you just let him. I thought something very interesting, uh, by the way, Charles Ellett Jr., Charles Ellett is the one who built the bridge. His son was the first to ride a horse and carriage across the bridge. I was thinking about that. It's like, well, the father had the plan. The son made the sacrifice to cross the bridge. And then others were then able to follow. You know what that reminds me of? Some of you, uh, every man of warrior will get this. Does that remind you of that? God has a plan. Jesus Christ is the one that bridged the gap so we could have eternal life. So that many others could follow. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel, isn't it? Because that's what it's about. God loves us. He loves every one of us in this room. He loves people that, that are outside of this building right now, people that are watching online. He's watching your neighbor. He's watching this whole world. He says, I love y'all. I really do. And I sent my son to make that bridge, to cross, so you would have a way to eternal life. If you just confess your sins and trust me. Just trust me. Would you stand, please? That seems like such a small thing, but it was probably the biggest thing ever, wasn't it? God's not asking you to come up with a big plan. He's just asking you to trust his. So what small thing does he want you to do? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you, Lord, for your words. I thank you, Lord, for the many men and women throughout history that have had great commencement speeches or great messages to inspire. But God, from your word comes the greatest messages. And today we heard from your word, one of them. What we take from it, God, I don't know. So God, I ask right now that you just speak to the hearts of everyone that's listening right now. Tell us, Lord, what is it we're supposed to do? Do we just need to get quiet with you and just worship you right now? Is it about prayer? Is it about loving others? Is it about having a deeper respect for you or faithfully serving you? Is there a sin that we're struggling with that we just need to stop? God, speak to us. Because that small thing, if we're obedient to it, will become something big in your hands. 
speak to us, Lord. Your servants are listening. We love you, Lord. In thy name we pray.